In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. God willing, today we're going to conclude our series about the canons of the church. We had uh, introduced the topic by speaking about what are the canons, um, why are they created, um, and giving an example of the types of canons um, that we have. Um, and then uh, last time I spoke a little bit about some of the common canons that maybe uh, we're, we're primarily familiar with or we hear about um, and what where they come from. Um, I think last time we spoke about uh, ch canons regarding speaking in the church, uh, prostrations, and um, the reverence uh, in the church. Uh, today we're going to speak about four other topics. Um, the first one is the seven orders of the church of God. You might hear in the liturgy when we're praying and the deacon prays for, uh, that says that we should pray for the seven orders of the church of God. Um, so what are, what are these seven orders um, of the church? So Canon 10 of St. Athanasius, it says, For upon seven pillars has wisdom restored our house, and seven are the perfect spirits of God in the church, which are the bishops and presbyters and deacons and half-deacons and readers and singers and doorkeepers, um, whom Zechariah calls the seven eyes of God. Whereof God says, He that touches them is as one that touches the pupils of his eyes. For the seven orders that we have named, the same are the seven eyes of the church, but what is the church's head but Christ? Also, it says, the bishop shouldn't look down on any other position. We are all one body. The head needs the feet as much as the feet need the head. The bishop can't pray and watch the, the doors at the same time. They are all considered the seven eyes of God, the seven pillars, and the seven spirits. So based on this canon, uh, here is the list of the seven orders that are mentioned. Um, the first is the bishop, who is the shepherd, the pastor, the one who is caring and overseeing all of the church. And then there's the presbyter or the priest, whose goal is to is to teach and intercede for the people. Then you have the deacon. The deacon is the, the word deacon actually means servant, right? Um, and then and so deacon here is the full deacon, the, the the deacon who's consecrated wearing black, not the deacons that we have, right? Um, those are the, 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 the chanters, but the full deacon um, is, is this third rank. And then the subdeacon, who is the assistant to the deacon and the priest, the reader, who reads and interprets the scripture, the chanter, who chants the hymns, and the doorkeepers, um, or sometimes this would be the congregation. The, in the early church, there was always a fear of the church being raided uh, by the enemies of the church. And so there was a special rank in the church uh, for the uh, the doorkeeper, which is essentially the person who stands at the door and makes sure that the, the church is safe, uh, only admitting people into the church that should be coming into the church, um, and so on. So this rank is considered uh, the doorkeeper. Or doorkeeper is the seventh rank uh, of the seven orders of the church. And it's specified even in the canons um, that these are the seven orders of the church. The next topic is the kiss of peace, which is... Um, the kiss of peace that is done uh, after the prayer of reconciliation uh, in the liturgy. Okay? And there's several mentions of this kiss of peace in the scripture. Um, greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a kiss of love. So the, the idea of the kiss of peace is... Um, 
rooted very much in the scripture. And the idea is, is that as the body of Christ, that we're about to take communion, which means that we are all united together in one body. So there shouldn't be any enmity or animosity between the people. Okay, so for this reason, we, we, we at the prayer of reconciliation where we're praying that God would that we would be reconciled with God and reconciled with each other. So we um, we greet one another as a sign that there is peace um, between us. And again, this is biblical and this is something that um, even St. Paul and other apostles had commanded to be done. But it's also found in the canons it says when the deacon says greet one another. The priests greet uh, the priests greet the bishops, males greet the males, and the women greet the women. Okay, which is what we do in the church. Canon 19 of Council of Laodicea says after the sermons of the bishops, the prayer for the catechumens is to be made first by itself. The prayer of the catechumen is the re is a reconciliation prayer, and after the catechumens have gone out, the prayer for those who are under penance. And after those who have passed under the hand of the bishop and departed, there should be then be offered the three prayers of the faithful, to fir uh, the first to be said entirely in silence, the second and third aloud, and then the kiss of peace is to be given. And after the presbyters have given the kiss of peace to the bishop, then the laity are to give it to one another, and so the holy oblation is to be completed. So um, again, in the early church, the rank of the catechumen, because there were so many people coming to, to convert and, and to become Christians. Um, the rank of the catechumen, which is the, the people who are still learning to become a Christian, that the, the, there was a, sp a separate rank for them, and they would all stand together in the church. Um, and they would be under instruction for a period of up to three years, um, learning about the faith before they would be baptized and enter fully into communion with the rest of the church. And so the, the catechumens, uh, would attend the liturgy up until this point of the prayer of reconciliation and then they would leave and the reason is is that the rest of the liturgy is all focusing on the Eucharist and praying for the consecration of the Eucharist which is something that the catechumens could not partake in so they would leave at this time they would attend the liturgy of the word hear all the instructions all of the readings right and so then after this um, they would leave but again the focus here is on the kiss of peace um, that is given um, at this time. Yeah, so yeah, so look toward the east is like the focus is now, like everyone is looking toward the east and focusing on the altar. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, because everyone is supposed to be standing in their own place. Right, like the men are supposed to be standing with the men and the women standing with the women, and everyone is greeting the people who are around them. Right, even even actually, uh, I mean the, the 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 greeting that's done um, in the altar. Right, the 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 priests only greet each other. Right, because there's nobody else. Like the priests wouldn't greet the deacons, and the deacons don't greet the priests at this time. The deacons greet one another, the priests greet one another, the bishops greet one another. Okay. Um. Next is the prayer of the hours, which is the Egbeya. Egbeya is a Coptic word that means according to the hours. It's the prayer book that we use um, on a daily basis and is also incorporated in the liturg liturgical prayer. So there's canons related to this as well. So in the Apostolic Constitutions, it says, Offer up your prayers in the morning at the third hour, the sixth, the ninth, the evening, and at the cock crowing. In the morning, returning thanks that the Lord has sent you light, 
that he has brought you past the night and brought on the day. At the third hour, because at that hour the Lord received the sentence of condemnation from Pilate. At the sixth, because at that hour he was crucified. At the ninth, because all things were in commotion at the crucifixion of the Lord, as trembling at the bold attempt of the impious Jews and not bearing the injury offered to their Lord. In the evening, giving thanks that he has given you the night to rest from the daily labors at cockcrowing, because that hour brings the good news of the coming on of the day for the operations proper for the light. So actually, each of the hours that we're called to pray throughout the day has like a theme and has like a, a, a memorial that we're remembering certain events um, or we're giving thanks for certain things um, exactly according to um, the canons. So it says also, I, James, the brother of Christ, according to the flesh, but his servant as the only begotten God and one appointed bishop of Jerusalem by the Lord himself and the apostles do ordain thus. When it is evening, you, O bishop, shall assemble the church and after the repetition of the psalm at the lighting up the lights, the deacon shall bid prayers for the catechumens, the energumens, the illuminated and the penitents. These are all different ranks um, of the church, um, as we have formally said. But after the dismission of these, the deacon shall say, So many are of the faithful, let us pray to the Lord. And after the bidding prayer, which is formally set down, he shall say, um, and, 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 uh, Save us, O God, raise us up by your Christ. Let us stand up and beg for the mercies of the Lord and his compassions. For the angel of peace, for what things are good and profitable, for a Christian departure out of this life, an evening and a night of peace and free of sin, and let us beg that the whole course of our life be uh, may be unblameable. Let us dedicate ourselves and one another to the living God through his Christ. Um, and so it, it goes on and says, uh, all these are like examples of the prayer. So this is like the prayer for the evening. Um, here, this is also, this is part of the evening prayer. Thanksgiving for the evening, O God, who art without beginning and without end, the maker of the whole world by Christ and the provider for it. But before all, his God and Father, the Lord of the Spirit and the King of intelligible and sensible beings who has made the day for the works of light and the night for the refreshment of our infirmity. So these are examples of prayers. We don't use these exact prayers in the Coptic Agbeya, but the idea that there are prayers that are designated at different times of the day to pray in the Book of Hours, this is something that the church practiced from very, very early on uh, in the church. It wasn't something that was added um, recently, but the idea that we're having these established prayers was something very, very um, common and established early on. Also, we have the mention of various feasts and fasts. Um, where do we get the feasts and the fasts that we practice in the church now, right? Um, one interesting thing is when you look at the common elements between the practice of the Oriental Orthodox and the Eastern Orthodox, right? So the Oriental and Eastern Orthodox, they split from each other in the year 451. Okay, so the Coptic Church is part of the Oriental Orthodox family, and say the Russian and the Greek and these other ones are part of the Eastern Orthodox family. And we were all in communion together until the year 451, the Fourth Ecumenical Council of Chalcedon, um, and then their split happened. So when you find similarities between the two churches um, today, then this is a clue that these similarities existed before the split because it's something that was that is still practiced by both churches. And certainly all of the canons that we're speaking about here is something that is shared between both churches. So you'll find similarities in the feasts and the fasts um, that are practiced right, between the churches.
So it says what? Brethren, observe the festival days. And first of all, the birthday, which you are to celebrate on the 25th of the ninth month. After which, let the epiphany be to you the most honored. So what is the 25th? The birthday that's celebrated on the 25th is what? Christmas. Okay, so he's talking about the Nativity Feast. Practice the Nativity Feast. After which, let the Epiphany be to you the most honored. So what is the next uh, feast after the Nativity? It is the Epiphany, right? So the, 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 the Nativity is January 7th. The Epiphany is uh, January 18th. So it's always right after it, okay? Um, in which the Lord made to you a display of his own Godhead, and let it take place on the 6th of the 10th month, after which the fast of Lent is to be observed by you as containing a memorial of our Lord's mode of life and legislation. So after the, uh, the epiphany, the next fast that begins in February is the great fast, okay, which is the, the Lent that's speaking about. But let this uh, solemnity be observed before the fast of the Passover, beginning from the second day of the week and ending at the day of preparation, after which solemnities breaking off your fast begin the holy week of the Passover, fasting in the same, all of you with fear and trembling, praying in them for those that are about to perish. So it is a period of fasting, right, during that time. You should therefore fast on the days of the Passover, beginning from the second day of the week until the preparation, right, and the Sabbath six days, making use of only bread and salt and herbs and water for your drink. But do you, but do you abstain on these days from wine and flesh? For they are days of lamentation and not of feasting. And as we mentioned last time, whenever it's speaking about fasting, the word fasting um, oftentimes is referring to abstinence, right? So, so when it's saying here, beginning from the second day of the week until the preparation, what is the second day of the week? What's the first day of the week? Sunday. So the second day is Monday. Good. That's great. You could <laughs> so, so the abstinence is for the weekdays. Okay? This is why in the church we practice abstinence during times of fasting only on the weekdays, right? And not on Saturday and Sunday, which we said last time are considered joyful days um, by the church. So there's fasting in the sense of, yes, we're still eating like the vegan food, right? But we're not abstaining from food uh, in the morning. Uh, you who are able should fast the day of the preparation and the Sabbath day entirely, tasting nothing till the cock crowing of the night. So according to the canons, the amount of abstinence we should have should be until what? Until evening, right? All the way until evening. That's, that's, that's what the early church practiced. But if anyone is not able to join them both together, at least let them observe the Sabbath day. For the Lord says somewhere, speaking of himself, when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, in those days they shall fast. In these days, therefore, he was taken from us by the Jews, falsely so named, and fastened to the cross, and was numbered among the transgressors. But from the even, or the evening, of the fifth day, till cock crowing, break your fast when it is daybreak of the first day of the week, which is the Lord's day. So speaking about how there should be no abstinence on Sundays. From the evening till cock crowing, keep awake and assemble together in the church, watch and pray and entreat God, reading when you sit up all night, the law, the prophets, and the psalms until cock crowing, and baptizing your catechumens, and reading the gospel with fear and trembling. 
and speaking to the people such things as tend to their salvation. Put an end to your sorrow, and beseech God that Israel may be converted, and that he will allow them a place of repentance. So uh, it is designated um, that there would be a vigil from the evening, okay, uh, before the Lord's day, right, till cock crowing, keep awake, assemble together in the church, watch and pray, and treat God, reading the law, the prophets, the Psalms, right, baptizing the catechumens, okay, R and reading the gospel. Okay, thenceforward, uh, thence leave off your fasting. So after the period of fasting is done, after the great Lent is done, leave off your fasting and rejoice and keep a festival because Jesus Christ, the pledge of our resurrection, is risen from the dead. And let this be an everlasting ordinance till the consummation of the world, until the Lord come. For to, for to Jews, the Lord is still dead, but to Christians, he is risen. So speaking now about the celebration of the Feast of the Resurrection, this is the festival because of Jesus Christ, the pledge of resurrection is risen from the dead. This is this is now when the fasting ends, right? So we, we, we end our fasting. Thomas Sunday, this is the Sunday after the resurrection, the first Sunday after the resurrection. It says, after eight days, let there be another feast observed with honor, the eighth day itself on which he gave Thomas, who was hard of belief, full assurance, by showing me the print of the nails and the wound made in his side by the spear. So corresponding to the events that happen in the life of Christ and after the resurrection, so the church is saying that the readings that we read in the church and the things that we celebrate are corresponding to these same things. So that's why the Sunday after the resurrection, which is eight days after, we are, um, we, we are celebrating Thomas Sunday and, and, and what happened with Thomas. Then... Uh, after, after that, the next feast that's celebrated is the Feast of the Ascension. It says, and again, from the first Lord's Day, count 40 days, from the Lord's Day till the fifth day of the week, and celebrate the Feast of the Ascension of the Lord, whereon he finished all his dispensation and constitution, and returned to that God and Father that sent him, and sat down at the right hand of power. Okay, so he's saying, from the first Lord's Day. What is the first Lord's Day? The resurrection. So from the, from the first Lord's Day, the first Sunday, after the fasting is done, which is the resurrection, count 40 days, okay? And then you celebrate the Feast of the Ascension because the Ascension happened 40 days after the resurrection. And that's why it's always 40 days after the Feast of the Resurrection is the Ascension. That's why the Ascension is always on a Thursday, right? We always celebrate the ascension on a Thursday, which is the fifth day of the week. Okay. The next feast we celebrate after the ascension is the Pentecost. Okay. But after 10 days from the ascension, which from the first Lord's Day is the 50th day. So, so 10 days after the 40th day is 50, right? So we have 50 days from the Feast of the Resurrection. This is when we celebrate the Pentecost. For on that day, at the third hour, the Lord Jesus sent on us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we were filled with his energy, and we spoke with, with new tongues, as that Spirit did suggest to us. So this is, this is why we, we have a special rite in the church on the Feast of the Pentecost, that we chant the litanies of the third hour, right? Because it is, in the third hour, um, prayers are related to the, the receiving of the Holy Spirit. 
okay the coming down of the holy spirit so because it is at that time that the holy spirit came down upon the apostles and that is what we celebrate in the feast of pentecost which is 50 days after the resurrection okay then what do we have after the pentecost apostles fast okay because it says so here on the slide Therefore, after you have kept the festival of Pentecost, keep one week more festival, and after that fast. For it is reasonable to rejoice for the gift of God and to fast after that relaxation. So he's saying after you spent 50 days relaxing and with no fasting at all, now you've eaten too much food and you have to start fasting again. Now one thing it does say that we don't do is it says after the Pentecost, keep one week more festival. Well, we don't do that, right? So after the, on, uh, the, the day after the Pentecost, immediately is the fast of the apostles, okay? Um, but but even according to the canons, there was an apostles' fast. Like some people question, um, why is it that we fast for the apostles? What are we fasting for? Well, actually, even in the, uh, in the apostolic constitutions, it says that there should be an apostles' fast after the Pentecost because we've eaten too much meat, and we need to balance it out. Also speaks about fasting Wednesdays and Fridays. So he says, we enjoin you to fast every fourth day of the week and every day of the preparation. So the fourth day of the week is Wednesday. The day of the preparation, it's called the preparation because it's the preparation for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday. So the preparation of the, 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 the Sabbath is Friday. Okay, so we are fasting every Wednesday and Friday. Do you remember why we fast those two days? Yeah, so Friday was the day Christ was crucified, so we remember that by fasting. And Wednesday, Christ was betrayed on a Wednesday. So we fast that day also to remember the betrayal um, of Christ. And what is the time of the year where we don't fast the Wednesdays and Fridays? The Holy 50 Days. And actually the canons of the Holy 50 Days say that it is not permitted to fast, that you must not fast right, during the Holy 50 Days. And again, um, the idea of there be no fasting on Saturdays and Sundays, again, the word fasting here is referring to abstinence. So he says, every Sabbath day except one, and every Lord's day, hold your solemn assemblies and rejoice, for he will be guilty of sin who fasts on the Lord's day, being the day of resurrection, or during the time of Pentecost, which is the, 40, the Holy 50 Days, Okay, or in general, who is sad on a festival day to the Lord, for on them we ought to rejoice and not to mourn. So as we said before, the church ordains certain time periods for mourning and, and, and repentance and certain other time periods for rejoicing. Okay, so, so on the days of rejoicing, there should be no fasting and all the tunes of the church are joyful. On the days of uh, of mourning, everything is in the church is mourning. We in the Holy Week we change the curtains to be black. I remember because you know typically the rites in the church, um, the the for a funeral, um, is mournful, right? It's mournful tunes because we are mourning over the funeral. But if the funeral happens during the Holy Fifty Days, the rites are joyful, right? The rites are joyful, 
And if a funeral happens on Sunday, because Sunday is a joyful day, it's kind of like uh, not not fully mournful. There's some some of the rites are more joyful than the normal because it's happening on a Sunday, which is a joyful day. So the the rites of the church always point us to the, our salvation. What is it that the work that Christ did um, for us? Not just to be focusing on like the events of the day, but 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 what is it that Christ did for us? Now I'll quiz you on this. It says every Sabbath except one. And every Lord's Day, hold your solemn assembly. So what did we say the Sabbath was? What today is that? Well, this is referring to the Jewish Sabbath. So this is the Saturdays, right? So he's saying every Saturday except one and every Lord's Day. So he said every Lord's Day is Sunday. Hold your solemn assemblies and rejoice, for he will be guilty of sin who fasts. So saying do not fast on the Lord's Day. So do not fast on Sundays, which we, which again, we're saying this is abstinence. So we don't abstain from food on Sundays. But... In addition to that, every Sabbath also, it's just a joyful day. We don't fast except one. What is the one day? Yes, the bright Saturday. Okay, so the bright Saturday is the only Saturday where we have fasting. Okay, we have abstinence because we are going to celebrate, right, like the resurrection afterward. And we had just celebrated the vigil of the apocalypse overnight um, that day. So that's the only day where there is fasting in preparation for the the resurrection. Um, so those are the those are the, the 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 main canons I wanted to cover. There's many 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 more canons that cover all kinds of things, like the marital laws. You know, under what criteria can a person be granted permission to remarry? Um, what what are the 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 kind of the the consequences of certain kinds of sins. For instance, earlier I was mentioning the penitents, right? So there, there used to be a group of people who, if they had fallen to a certain sin, the church would give them a certain penance, like a certain rules that they would have to follow in order to repent. Like they would have to do certain prostrations, they would have to do certain kinds of fasting and other things. And that group of people would stand by themselves in the church um, mourning for their sins. Right. There are canons about that that, you know, and again, that's an example of a canon we don't practice anymore. Right. We don't we don't practice that. We don't have a group of the people who are standing in the church um, mourning over their sins and standing alone by themselves. Right. So as I said, not all canons um, are practiced uh, today. And there was a time maybe where those canons made sense and were applicable. Um, but the church feels like right now this is not applicable, right, to, to us and is not beneficial to us. But um, if you're interested in the canons, to read the canons, there's many, many canons about all kinds of different subjects. Um, but these are just the ones I wanted to highlight um, briefly uh, here. Does anyone have any questions or comments? So I didn't I didn't try to cover everything, but uh, those are just some highlights of some of the major feasts that we practice. So we went from nativity all the way through the apostles fast. Uh yeah, so Yeah, so 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 there are some fasts I I believe um like for instance the St. Mary's fast would have been something that was added later 
Um, but this is specifically from the apostolic constitutions as an example. Like I'm not trying to show exhaustively everything, but I just wanted to give an example of some of the, the origin of some of the things that we are practicing. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. The I mean, the reason um, to I, I'm not sure if the if the um, fasting for the nativity is in the apostolic constitutions or it's somewhere else. Uh, I'm not I'm not totally sure. It, it used to be actually in the in the early church that the feast of the Epiphany was the the most um, was like the greatest feast, the one with the the, the, the greatest feast because it was seen that the baptism which is what Christ did on the Feast of the Epiphany, was like the beginning of salvation for everyone. And so that's why more than the Nativity, more than the Resurrection, it was seen that like the, 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 the Epiphany was like the greatest act um, because it, it is what allowed us to enter into the process of salvation. Um, nowadays, maybe the Epiphany is the least um, attended of all of the major feasts uh, in the church. Any other? Yes. Saints' days. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, we celebrate the feasts of the saints, and you can have liturgies on any day of any saint feast. Um, they are not considered feasts of the Lord, right? They're just, we're celebrating someone else. But they are all considered feasts. There's actually a story in the church where during a time of persecution, um, the the Islamic government in Egypt wanted to close all the churches. And so at the time, the Pope said, um, okay, we will close the churches except for feast days. And so the, the, the governor said, okay. Uh, so then he found that the churches were open every day. And so he asked him why, and he said, well, because we celebrate feasts of the saints every day. <laughs> so I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. But he was. Uh, the celebrating of the saints? Uh, I don't think it was yet at this time. Um, because so so the, the martyrdom, so, so the, the Coptic uh, celebration of the saints, the, co the, the, the martyrdom of the saints, um, really began like very much in the third century, which is when we started the beginning of the Coptic year. So the first year of the Coptic year is 284 AD, which was chosen because there was like very, very extreme martyrdom at the time. And so you'll find that a lot of the saints that we're celebrating today were martyred starting from that time onward, right? So at some point later, I'm not sure when, but at some point later after that, after there now had been a huge, like chronicles of all these saints that had been martyred, we started to celebrate each of them um, according to like the date that they were martyred. And now we have prayers that we are praying in the liturgy to commemorate the different saints. Like today, for instance, was the, saint, the feast of St. Marina. Okay, and you might have noticed that we said some prayers for St. Marina in the liturgy. We said her doxology, we said her praxis response, her gospel response, you know, because today is her feast day, okay? So so from the very, very early days, right, before there was this huge wave of martyrdom, we didn't yet have a, a list of all of these saints and stories to remember the saints and the martyrdoms of the saints. So it wasn't something that was practiced until later on. 
Yeah, so the 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 saint the angels we commemorate certain events and miracles that happen related to the angels. So we have s stories in the Synaxarian that happen on certain days that were um uh, that th that were like a, a miracle that let's say Archangel Michael did, right? Or uh, miracles of like Archangel Gabriel, the messenger who comes and provides like some message from God to somebody. Um, so we we commemorate that. Um, so in the church, we commemorate the 12th uh, day of the Coptic month every month to Archangel Michael and the 21st day of every Coptic month to St. Mary. Um, and then there's other saints, uh, other angels that are celebrated throughout the year um, on different days. Any other question or comment? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We ask for your blessing, and we ask, oh God, that we would help to help us to understand the church better, to understand the laws in the church, the canons of the church, to help us to understand why all of these rules are put in place for our benefit and for our salvation. We thank you, O oh Lord, for your mercy upon us, and help us, O oh Lord, during this coming month of Kiach to meditate on you and to meditate on your nativity, your birth, O oh Lord, for our salvation. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God, the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior, Jesus Christ, the communion and the gift of the Holy Spirit, be with you all go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.